Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. A group alleging bullying, misogyny, violence within the Irish Armed Forces has said it is deeply disillusioned following a meeting by the Minister for Defence, Simon Coveney, yesterday. And it comes as the government announced that it will establish a judge-led independent review to look at issues related to sexual misconduct, bullying, harassment and discrimination in the Defence Forces, which is all very sad to hear, by the way. Allegations of sexism bullying, sexual assault and rape in the Defence Forces was uncovered by RT in a documentary last year. Most of you probably would have seen it, uh, The Women of Honour. And former Army officer Tom uh, Clonan research uh, first exposed discrimination and sexual abuse in the Defence Forces 21 years ago. However, such an approach was rejected in the strongest terms by the members of... members. And yes, they, they walked out early from the meeting uh, basically said it was a waste of time. The group called Women of Honour have heavily criticised Simon Coveney personally and said the attitude of the department was more disappointing after all the government's talk about protecting citizens and women in the wake of Ashling Murphy. Uh, Diane Byrne uh, was the first female engineer in the Permanent Defence Forces. She left the Army 13, uh, after 13 years and she joins me on the line. Good afternoon to you, Diane. Hi, how are you doing? Diane, I, I'll get to the reasons why you walked out of the meeting uh, or why you felt the meeting was a complete waste of time in a few minutes. For, but for those who don't know, and there are still many people who may have missed the documentary, maybe don't really have a great understanding of what we're talking about. Um, of course, when you started the Defence Forces, let's take us back to that time. I mean, it would have been a very male-dominated industry, if that's what you want to call it, at the time. So it was a brave thing to do at the time for women to go into the Defence Forces in the first place, wasn't it? Well, at the time, I didn't think it was quite brave, but um, yeah, I suppose looking back, it is. And unfortunately, it's still extremely male-dominated. The number of women are very, very low. Um, but yeah, it's definitely an intimidating experience to mm-hmm. go in. But as a background of engineering, I had already been in a male-dominated area for, for a while at that okay. point. So, yeah. you know, I was kind of used to it. Okay. And when you went in first, when you went into the Defence Forces, was it almost like this kind of culture of misogyny where, oh, look, she's only a woman, for God's sake. It, was that the attitude towards women in general? Um, no, I, I wouldn't say it was in general. I know when I arrived, there was definitely nearly a sense of deer in headlights. Okay. You know, oh dear, what do we do with this one? All right, okay. Um, yeah. You know, there was, there was nearly a shock factor to it. And some people, you know, would welcome you with open arms. And, and, you know, it was all about what you could do, what you could bring to the table. But unfortunately, that isn't, you know, across the board. And some people were, whether it was because they felt threatened or they felt that there was no place for a woman in, in an environment like this. Some people didn't take too kindly to it and would take an instant disliking. And, and uh, for those listening, by the way, this wasn't just having the crack because, of course, there's offices all over the country where there's men and women work together and they have the crack and what have you. This went beyond that, of course. And absolutely way beyond. Absolutely. And, and, you know, when you talk about sexism and bullying and sexual assault, let's go, first of all, to sexism and, you know, and how women were treated and the, why, why they were treated differently. Why do you think that became an issue for so many women? Because we've heard so many women come out now, so many brave women, by the way. I've, I've listened to some of their stories on, on television and so many brave women. Why do you think that became an issue or why did that seem to be, particularly in the Defence Forces, although it probably was in many other industries too, uh, but particularly in the Defence Forces, why do you think it became such I definitely believe it's in every industry, but I think it starts with basic disrespect. You mm. know, um, if, if you disrespect somebody um, 
on minor issues, you know, mm-hmm. insignificant. Of, I know from a personal perspective, I would have accepted things that, you know, really I shouldn't have, yeah. you know, put up with them, shrugged them off. You want to be accepted. You want to be taken on merit um, on, you know, how good you do your job. So you don't want to be singled out and stand out for something other than your skills. Yeah. So you accept the little things and then the little things escalate into the big things. And um, do, you, and do, do you believe you were undermined? Were, were you undermined? Because we are going to be talking about that later on, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, women being undermined in the workplace. Do you believe as a woman you were being undermined because, oh, she's only a woman? I think, I think by some, absolutely. You know, it all, it all comes down to individuals. Um, and some people would take would take you at face value. You do have to earn it harder than everybody else. Yeah. You do have to work a lot harder to get that extra level of respect. People automatically look at you and think, "Oh, can she do her job?" You don't look at a man and think, "Can he do his job?" You know, you, you question where there really shouldn't be a question. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that makes it difficult, and that make, makes you have to work so much harder to get you know that basic level of respect. Yeah, so um, it was that, it was that a kind of old attitude of, God, isn't she great considering she's a woman? So that, that kind of attitude, in other words, you had to overcompensate Absolutely. because you feel that way. You had to be better than everybody. You, know, yeah. you couldn't just do your job, you had to be better than everybody. And sometimes that still wasn't enough. And, and it would lead on to, to, to other things that would cause huge problems for us. And when did it get to a point for you where you believed or said to yourself, I've taken a certain amount of this nonsense? And now this is going too far. And, and of course, we're now getting into bullying and sexual assault as well. And in some, mm-hmm. ca- some of the cases, of course, there was rape, um, which is quite shocking and quite serious. And, and it actually turns the pit in my stomach to even think about other men that would even think, you know, of doing something like this, you know, just because they feel they have the power to do it. I mean, when you got to, or where was the point that you got to when you went, this is enough? It was a very slow process. So I, I definitely had difficulties from the very, very start with, with some individuals who just seemed to have an issue with me being there at all. Um, and nothing that I could do would would be enough. Um, it was, you know, when you pick on somebody, you know, um, disproportionately for something small, mm-hmm. you know, you're called out for it. So it was a gradual um, process that got it's worse. Constantly and worse. eroding your self-confidence. Yes. You know, little things, but then, you know, it, it just, it's building up in you. You know, it, it, when you explain this to people, they kind of fear, well, sure, that was all little stuff. But and I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, I do know exactly what you're talking about. And even though it might be meaningless to somebody else and you say, or you go off and tell somebody the story about what happened to you that day and they go, ah, oh, but sure, look, but that added to everything else is a nail in a coffin every single time. And I understand exactly. that completely. Yeah. That in isolation is something, you know, that, that might, be shrugged off but when you get this on a daily basis it it gets into your head mm. you're constantly undermined you're con- nothing is ever enough yeah. and for me I, I suffered that for quite some time until um, I just couldn't take it anymore mm. um, but there was other things that really became the straw that broke the camel's back for me in relation to maternity okay. um, and it escalated in from, from not just daily bullying um, but to discrimination Okay, um, so when you, this is in relation to maternity, when women become mm-hmm. pregnant, obviously, the defence forces. Uh, so I'm, I'm assuming then there would be certain duties that you would obviously be conscious of because there would be a risk analysis done in relation to what you can and can't do while you're pregnant. I'm not saying that pregnancy is, pregnancy is an illness, but obviously it's a condition that you have to be conscious of. Yeah, absolutely. But even at that stage, um, like it, it didn't even come in, to be honest with you, there was a great deal of let's not see that she's pregnant. Right, okay. You know, let, let, let's not just look there. We'll keep our eyes above a certain level. Oh, um, so there was a lot of pretending that, the, that there wasn't a baby growing. Um, and the issues really happened where there was blatant um, 
uh, failing to uphold the law. So when, when my son was born, I was transferred out of the unit, which in theory you're not supposed to take somebody out of their job, you know, while they're on maternity leave. And I decided to, to make a point of that. And that just escalated again, which is a huge part of the issue that we're raising because it's not just the incidents. It's not the, the violence, the bullying, the, the discrimination, the sexual assaults. It's what happens afterwards. I, and this, is what, I, this is what I noticed in the documentary at RTE. You know, we saw that so many were afraid to speak out. I mean, I mean, did the women in the defence forces speak amongst themselves about it? I, I just didn't speak out about it. I mean, what happened in that sense? When you spoke out about it, what happened? Well, uh, speaking out of it, about it um, can cause quite a quite a few problems for people as well. We got huge support, but also uh, people just want to get on with their lives and they don't want to look at it. So a lot of people try to put their head down within the defence forces and say, "Look, it, it's not really happening. I can manage it." at the moment. So say where I was in the early days, I can manage it. It's fine. It's okay. And eventually it becomes too much. So while there's a lot of support, there's also a lot of people fearful that it will turn on them. So that's why, you know, you don't always get that the level of support that you're hoping for purely because people don't want to be dra- dragged into something that's going to affect them. They don't want to get dragged into that bullying. So they, they kind of don't see it. And, and I heard stories you know, of women who had made complaints of sexual assault, for example, and not only were they not listened to or not taken seriously, but they were put back working alongside the men who had committed these atrocities against them. Absolutely. And what happens at that point is their career gets eroded away um, and his career escalates. You know, she's struggling with um, huge emotional and trauma um, and you don't get the support. And a lot of the healing from these type of things comes when it's addressed appropriately. But if and, and were you seeing, sorry, I'm sorry for interrupting you no, because I, I, I'm so intrigued by what went on and how this could even happen. But when you say, or if somebody makes a complaint, say about, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, a sergeant or whatever it happened to be, you know, that he had sexually harassed or he had sexually assaulted you and then you're put back working with that person again or back in the same field as that person. The, the other soldiers... Uh, would be supporting him, the male soldiers, a lot of them would be supporting him, and you would be seen as an inconvenience of some description, as some sort of somebody to be beware of. Is that the kind of feeling? Absolutely. You'd be the troublemaker. Just let it go. Look, leave it alone. It doesn't really matter. It's over. Um, and you, 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 don't, you can't do that. When, when you suffer a trauma like that, you can't do that. It shouldn't, you shouldn't have to do that. No, no. Um, it should never be accepted, any kind of violence or sexual violence, assault, anything. But when you stand out then you are ostracized. Mm-hmm. You're isolated. You're excluded. So now you're, you're being destroyed, whether it's deliberately, whether it's through your mental health. Like we've had situations where somebody then is emotional because of what they've experienced and they're not getting treated appropriately. It's not being dealt with in a manner that you would expect for something like this to get justice. So now you are being triggered. You're emotional. Now you're seen as unstable. You need help. You well, can't leave this person with a weapon, so they take the weapon away, and you need that to do your job. Mm-hmm. So now you're in this escalating, destructive, career-destroying um, situation. and You're seen as being weak. He, absolutely. Yeah. He's after getting, you know, generally speaking to him, not always, but he's after getting... Um, reward. Sometimes he's working beside you, nothing has changed for him. He can just laugh it off. And, and possibly being pat- patted on the back by his buddy saying, don't worry about it. You know, she's just a moan. Maybe yeah. a promotion, maybe yep. an overseas trip. Yep. 
That's absolutely. And in relation to your personal life, then, of course, because you know, obviously, you'd have to go home and deal with that. It must have been horrible to because I mean, for most people, to work in a job that you don't like is bad enough, but to work in a job that you really are passionate about and you really want to be in but find it impossible to survive in that job because of the way you're being treated, that must have been so destructive to your mental health when you went home then at night. Absolutely. I know for me, um, after suffering, you know, huge isolation, exclusion, you know, basically, in essence, constructive dismissal on my part. You know, I was going home to to a small child. um, It it was absolutely soul-destroying. And in the end, I was doing him no good. I was doing myself no good. I was destroying my family and my life. And I, I felt I had no option but to leave Mm-hmm. a job, you know, coming from a military family, you know, that that was very, very hard to do. You feel like you're giving up. Yeah. Um, and, and you're nearly ashamed that you didn't have the strength. You, yeah, you feel that you've done going. something wrong here. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Should, should, I be, should I be brave enough? Should I be able to stand up to all this nonsense? You know, or should I have to put up with this? Well, you should never have had to put up with that, by the way. But, but you feel that maybe there's a bit of victim blaming in this. You start blaming yourself. You do. You, you blame yourself. Other people blame you. You're constantly re-victimised. It's very hard to come out from that cloud. Yeah. And in, in relation to that, I'm, I'm just looking here, by the way, there was a story obviously recently there with an army captain who lost out on a promotion due to maternity uh, leave. You know, and I, I'm just looking back in relation to that story. Uh, you know, when women became pregnant within the military, were they treated, how were they generally treated? It's an inconvenience. Like, I can't speak for everybody. I can only speak for mine, and, and it's possible that story is my story. Um, for me, um, while I was on maternity leave, my classmates yeah. were interviewed and promoted um, to the next rank up of commandant, and I hadn't even been told that there was interviews. Yeah. So I was given absolutely no opportunity. Um, it's a sh- I, w- I was reading that story this morning. It's a shocking story. Yeah, that's, I think that sounds like mine. So, <laughs> I think it is your story, yes. Yeah, I, 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 so I, I, like, I, I decided to take it through the courts. Not for me, I took a judicial review. I didn't, I, it's, it's entirely up to you. I didn't really want to go into the story yeah, in detail. No, I wanted to just but focus was, on the maternity aspect, but if, you need, if you're okay about it, going into it. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it, the reason I, 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 I went further with this and the reason that we're doing what we're doing now um, is it has to change because we don't ever want anybody feeling the way we felt. Yeah. You know, this is not, there's, there's nothing to gain for me in this other than maybe the peace of mind of knowing that what I suffered was for a reason and that reason was so that nobody else has to. But, but I'm blown away by the fact, and a lot of people think, oh, they're talking about the 1950s and 60s here. We're not. We're only, we're only talking about a short time ago. It wasn't that long ago. And, you know, to think that we would treat, even nowadays in our own mind, to think that you would treat a woman any differently because she's pregnant, apart from the obvious risk analysis, as I said earlier on, mm-hmm. you, do, you know, you don't put somebody in a risky situation when they're pregnant, particularly at the height of their pregnancy, to think that you would treat somebody differently and then exclude them from promotion just because they happen to have a baby or they happen to be pregnant, it, by today's standards, is mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. You know, it, it's a, and, that's, and that's the frustration here. You know, uh, especially with with what we're trying to do, we want it. We're not asking anybody to, be, to to take our word for it. We want an investigation so that they can see for themselves mm-hmm. and really understand where the problems are, so that they can fix it, and nobody else has to suffer like this. Okay, this in, in relation to what needs to be done, um, mm-hmm. obviously you weren't. You were very disappointed yesterday when you met Minister Simon Coveney. Uh, the Minister for Defence. Uh, and why were you disappointed? Uh, he wants, obviously, a judge-led investigation or independent review into this. Um, yeah, we were, we were extremely disappointed. Like, we've been let down by the defense, uh, Department of Defence, the Defence Force State again. You know, it's not the first time. But, yeah, we were hoping for um, a thorough, fully independent um, legal process, a process with legal powers. This review that is being put forward doesn't have 
the legal powers to compel people, to make people speak, to, to get the information. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't, it, the panel is already selected, it's finalised. The rules under which that panel are going to operate have been written and finalised and handed to us as, as complete. So were you consulted at any of, point, were the Women of Honour consulted at any point throughout the process and asked, well, what do you think of that before we go ahead with that process? Yes, we were. We said absolute, you know, total disagreement. This is not going to do it. So we were due to meet the Minister last Thursday um, and at the very last minute um, the meeting was postponed um, without explanation and now it, it appears to be that they wanted to get the, it signed, sealed and, and everything dotted and crossed before they even told us. Oh, right, okay. So did you literally walk out of the meeting yesterday? We ex- we, we, we halted uh, proceedings. We, we felt that there was absolutely this no point. point. Is, and yeah. it wasn't something... What was his reaction to that? What was the Minister's reaction? Um... Did he seem disappointed by the fact, or did he... Because I, I don't know how he could be disappointed, because clearly it's not what you were looking for. He um, can't be surprised. I'd no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we've been very, very, very clear with this. This review, aside from the fact that it's flawed, you know, and it's not truly independent, because if he's written the rules himself um, on, on the, the guidelines under what this is going to operate, it's ultimately them investigating themselves. And the poli- they're looking at policies, procedures, paperwork. Paper doesn't bully people. Yeah. People bully people. And we need the background. We need to really get under the hood of where the problems and where the opportunities for the abuse what, of I mean, are. what led to women being sexually assaulted and raped within the Defence Forces and, and, then and, and covered up as well? A lot of that covered Absolutely. up. Yeah. You know, how and I suppose happening? at the moment, you, you would imagine Simon Coveney, uh, in all his wisdom, uh, particularly after the death of Ashling Murphy, and I suppose the conversations we've had over the last two weeks on this show and many other radio shows around the country about the safety of women, uh, not just out on the streets at night, but in the workplace and everywhere else as well, mm-hmm. you would imagine he would that he would have taken that a little bit more seriously and been a little bit more understanding of why this isn't sufficient. Like absolutely, this is the right, the reason why we are so surprised. You know, like there's a lot of things. It takes a lot to surprise us. Um, but we are so surprised because it just seemed so much common sense mm-hmm. in, in the approach to take. These reviews have been done before. You know, there's 20 years of reviews and these issues are not going away. We're doing the same thing over and over, but we're still expecting a different result. But, see, but this saying, is Irish politics. I think we've been doing this for years and it's always kick it down the road a little bit further. We've seen that with mother exactly and baby homes different. and everything else and other inquiries that we've had in this country. So what, what's next for the Women of Honour now? Because... You know, you've been all over the media. Everybody has seen and heard your stories. We're all behind you. We're all supporting you. We're all shocked by what happened. And everybody wants the same result. So if it's if the government are not working with you to the best of their ability, and you believe they're not, and I can absolutely understand why, what's the next step now? Well, we've been at this for years, so we're not giving up. We can assure people of that. I'm, assure, um, I, I'm absolutely sure you're not giving up. <laughs> we're not giving up. I wouldn't up. let you, Diane. I'll bring you back on the show again, but I wouldn't let you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, no, we're not giving up. There's too too much at risk here. We don't want next generations to go through this. Um, because, because sorry to interrupt you, because we, you only spoke to me about the fact that there isn't very many women in the army. There isn't very many, and there was a huge advertising campaign there back in 2014. I think they spent I don't know millions trying to encourage women to go in, and they still didn't get them in. And I think part of the reason is is because of the likes of this that women may be fearful about going into that male environment and we need to make it a safe environment for women to be in and men to be in together. And, and I think this is what the point you're trying to make, isn't it? That you want it to be a safe place. There's no point in just kicking it down the road, you know, giving everybody a few quid or something or saying we're sorry to people and not doing anything about it. 
Well, that's exactly it. But then, then you have to wonder, if they may be saying they want women in there, but if they're not doing anything to make it safe, and whether it's optics or whether it's real, if they're not actually going to do something that makes that real difference and gets to the truth and makes it safe, do they really want women in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to wonder. Okay. So, so are you meeting Simon again? We'll, have you been we'll on the be, phone to him since? <laughs> no, 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 no more engagement there, but we will be meeting uh, the Taoiseach. Okay. We expect to meet him next week and we will see where we're at at that. Well, well, well I know he is quite sympathetic, obviously, to your story and, and, I, and he has spoken about it in the past and how disgusted he is by it in the past and how shocked he was by it. So uh, he certainly seems to be invested in it. Mm, so, it's absolutely, but in fairness to, to um, Minister for Defence, he seems the same. Yeah, well, so hopefully, well, maybe Michal will put his money where his mouth is, uh, so to speak. That's what we hope. Yeah, well, listen, thank you very much, Diana. And it's been lovely talking to you. Thank you very much thank indeed you. for going thank on the air. Thank you very much for your time. All right, bye. There you go, Diana Byrne. Uh, Women of Honour, uh, for many who have watched the documentaries and who have watched the stories, and a lot of it was on primetime and RTE as well. Um, this is not back in the 1950s, by the way. You know, this is only 21 years ago in the Defence Forces where there was sexual uh, abuse, bullying, rape. And, you know, I know a lot of people are thinking to themselves, ah, it's the army now, it's tough and hard. You know, and you have to be able for it and all that kind of stuff. And that, I, I accept that. It, it is that kind of industry where, you know, it's a, it's tough. It is a tough industry for anybody to go into, by the way. When I say industry, it's a tough place, a workplace to go into because, you know, you're getting down and dirty, aren't you? You know, you're climbing up hills and your backpacks on your back and you're marching around squares and shooting people and all sorts of carry on, whatever you do in the army, whatever the military do. It's a tough place to be. And and it's tough for women and it's tough for men. It does require physical stamina and physical strength. and But it has to be a safe place. All that aside... You take all that into consideration when you join. I'm sure Diane, as an engineer, took that into consideration. She was already in a, a male-dominated industry anyway, as an engineer, because how many female engineers were there 20 years ago? Hardly any. Uh, but it's a tough place to be. But you've got to be, it's got to be safe. You've got to be confident that when you go in there, that although you'll be treated, you know, you're not going to be treated with kid gloves because it's the army, it's the military. But you're going to be treated the same as everybody else, as your male counterparts that you're not going to be bullied, and if you are, something's done about it, that you're not going to be sexually harassed, you're not going to be discriminated against. Ah, oh, she's only a woman. You're not going to be discriminated against. And certainly, if anything serious happens, like be, be it sexual assault or rape, that you're not put working beside the person who did it and seen as some sort of inconvenience. That's quite shocking, really, isn't it, that you would imagine that that would even happen. But it did. And all they want is... Full public inquiry into why that happened. They want questions answered. They want to know why it happened. And to make sure. And the reason, by the way, people are saying, oh, but it's in the past. No, it's in the past. The reason they want to make sure that it's a full public inquiry and they want to make sure that everybody knows what happened is because they don't want it to happen again. They don't want any other woman to have to go through that. Or indeed, by the way, any other man who's being bullied in the army that there's proper procedures in place to make sure people are safe. It's not difficult to understand, is it? Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.